You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie if you want for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item so you get one free item for penis havers one free item for vulva havers one free item for couples and then you also get six free movies from the adameve.com website you can get your favorite porn or an educational film i love free movies they're so awesome this is such a great deal and then on top of that you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So to redeem this great offer, what you're gonna do is you're gonna go to adameve.com, you're gonna go to checkout, and you're gonna type in darkpod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're gonna get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're gonna get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to adameve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language 
content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on all things disability. I am your number one queer cripple, your host with the most, your disabled Dick Smith. I am all those things. I am Andrew Gerza. Welcome, welcome. Get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and let's get this show started, everybody. Friends, we are almost 200 official Thursday episodes into this show. Wowee, this is uh, this is episode 192, I'm pretty sure. that's. I mean, that's really cool. Plus, we have a bunch of bonus episodes and different, different types of episodes like quarantine and chill and all that stuff. So, really, I looked at the feed today. We're sitting at about 243 episodes including the Minnesotes and including all those other ones that we've done over the years. But wow, friends, that's a lot of Disability After Dark that we've produced or that, you know, that's been put out in the world. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening and for being a part of this and for bringing this little show that I make for my bedroom into your ear holes and for making my perspectives on disability and the guest perspective that I have on the show part of your... Part of what you listen to, it means a lot. I'm really, really honored to do this show, and I just want to say thank you. On that note, we have to give a shout-out to the Patreon peeps for this week, the people who put their hard-earned dollars down to keep the lights shining on this show. And this week, I want to give a shout-out to somebody who has a great name and who just pledged some dollars to the show recently, their name is Tyler Power, and I want to say all the power to you, Tyler Power. Thank you so much for pledging your dollars to keep the show going. You headed over to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, which means that you get that awkward shout-out that I just gave to you, and you get to hear the show one day early, so you're listening on the Patreon exclusive feed on Wednesday instead of Thursday for our Thursday official episode. Thank you, thank you. If you want to support the show, you can pledge as little as $1 a month or $5 a month to keep the show going. And right now, I know money is tight, so whatever you can do would be amazing. If you can't pledge monetarily, please consider leaving a review on if you're li- wherever you're listening to, to to the podcast right now, leave a five star review. Let me know what you think. Let me know how I can make the show better. Let me know what the show means to you. Just let me know. If also you want to be a guest on the show at any point for a quarantine and chill, for a regular sexy episode, for a show idea, you can email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and let me know what you want to do with the show and how you want to be involved and we'll figure it out. Alright, but now, on to the show today. On this episode today, I sit down with somebody who had their manager reach out to me and that was really cool. It made me feel super professional. Their manager reached out to me because today I'm sitting down with a comedian who lives in LA and I get to sit down with comedian Nikki Paris 
who is in LA, and we have a different kind of conversation than what we normally would talk about on a on a Disability After Dark episode. I get to sit down with him and talk about his relationship with his brother, who has spinal muscular atrophy. And what I love about this episode is that we talk about the relationship Nikki has being the sibling to somebody with a disability. And I thought this was really important to put this episode out there because we don't often get to hear from the siblings of people with disabilities and how they experience being the sibling of somebody with a disability. And I think it's a really... I have two brothers and one sister who are all siblings to me with with me being the disabled one. And I think the relationship between family members of somebody with a disability is really something that needs to be talked about more and explored. And I think the feelings of family members of people with disabilities, we talked to Nikki about experiencing a lot of guilt with his brother, a lot of pain he had about not about seeing his brother go through the experience of disability and not being able to really fully understand what that felt like. And there was a lot of discussion around that. Nikki is really supportive of his brother. He also uses language like special needs and inspiration and, and stuff like I think that we could see, I could see through the interview with Nikki that he's learning a lot and that he's willing to, that he loves his brother, but he's, he's wanting to, um, to just be there for his brother. And I think it was a really interesting conversation with him and it was really, really neat to see how he feels about his brother and how disability informs his life through his brother. Um, and I was just happy to do it. So without further ado, here's my interview with comedian Nikki Paris right now on his relationship with his brother who has spinal muscular atrophy right here on the Thursday edition of Disability After Dark. Our professional. Sure, sure I am. Uh, Nikki Paris, hello. Hey! Hey, welcome to Disability After Dark. Thank you for taking the time today to come and chat with me. It was really interesting how I heard about you because, to be honest, I had no idea who you were until your publicist slash your friend reached out to me and was like, we want him on your show. And I was like, wait a minute, my little tiny show that no one listens to? Like, what? Okay. I think it was my manager, Lauren. And uh, yeah, she uh, has been going after a ton of podcasts for me to be on and she found your podcast and she had sent it to me and she was like, you have to check out this podcast. And she sent it to me and I was like, oh my God, I need to do this show. So I'm excited to be here. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And I, I you tweeted me, you like, you like insta me this morning and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, yay. Wow. So I was excited to have you on, and I remember when I emailed Lauren initially, I was like, well, it's cool that you want to come on, but explain to me how, what experience he has with disability, because it's a disability-centered podcast, so when, when she initially pitched you, she didn't bring anything up about disability, so I was like, cool, how are we going to make, how are we going to put disability into this, and so when she explained to me kind of how disability was part of your life, I was like, okay, that, that'll work, that's perfect, so I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit, tell us who you are, and tell us a little bit how disability plays a role in your life. Absolutely. So my name is Nikki Paris. I'm a comedian from Staten Island, New York. And hey. now I live, hey, what's up? I live in, I live in Los Angeles now. And uh, 
Yeah, I, I have a little brother who has spinal muscular atrophy, which has been, um, you know, it, it was very hard, especially on him, but on my family, on my parents as well. So um, I've always uh, gravitated towards people with special needs and disabilities. Um, we were, my brother was a part of a group called Rainbow's Hope on Staten Island for children with disabilities. And I always got to go to all the other events and I've just, people with disabilities always have a special place in my heart. So, yeah, I'm honored to be here. I feel very honored. No, thank you. Um, when, you know, we don't usually hear the, the familial side, particularly like the brother side of having a sibling with disabilities. We usually don't, I, I don't hear a lot of those stories. So that's why I was really eager to have you on because I wanted to like kind of get you to dig into that with me. Can you share with us, like, let me pull up the proper question that I wrote. Can you share with us um, what that experience of like, having a younger brother with SMA is like and what um, what your relationship with him is like? So he, I hope he doesn't listen to this, but he is the funniest person that I've ever met in my, in my whole life. And it really, you know, more than anything, it, it taught me, A, in some, you know, some regards that life is unfair. I think that in a lot of ways that, you know, because, you know, both my parents are carriers of the gene and it skipped me. And if my parents were to have another child, I believe that it'd be like a 90 and up percent chance that it would also have, that the child would also have spinal muscular atrophy. Yeah. So in some ways growing up, I, I felt a lot of guilt. And, you know, I watched him suffer and, you know, not be able to live the life that everybody else got to live. Um, and when I, when I was little, I didn't really fully understand it. I felt like I always was like, you know, in some ways I felt like my problems never really added up to his. And then as I started to grow up and become an adult, now I feel such guilt because I, I can only imagine, you know, he, he truly is one of my biggest inspirations and he's so funny, Andrew. He went through th this surgery. I'll never forget it. He was at Columbian Pres Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in New York City. He was in ICU for like over a month. They told him that he was going to die. They told my mom he was not going to make it through the night. By the grace of God, he, you know, was a fighter and pulled through. He had a breathing tube down his throat so he couldn't speak. So he had to spell out different words on like a board to communicate with the nurses yeah, and my like family and everybody. I'll never forget it. The first thing that he spelled out was go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he's going to get to the healer. It was genius. And I literally, like, nobody, could, everybody was, like, laughing. Everybody was, like, oh, my God, did this kid really? And it was, I just have this, these memories of him in that hospital bed. And he would just go like this with the middle finger. <laughs> and he used to put the middle finger up. And, yeah, it, you know, it was hard growing up. But it, it's nothing compared to what he went through. How, how much younger is he than you? So I'm 27. And he just, well, he's 25. He's going to be 26 in August. Okay. So you're, so... You're very much like, you're like my sister and I, she's 37, I'm 35. So we're very much like, couldn't, not conjoin, but we're like very close in age. So was there a sense of like all the milestones that you got to experience? He got to experience them in a different way than you? Um, I think, I think they're different milestones. I mean, he just did an interview this week on tattoo.com. He's a big tattoo collector. He's all tatted up. He looks like he just like beat somebody up for their lunch money and then just got on his <laughs> wheelchair and rode away. Um, so, you know, we have very different styles, but, um, 
you know, I, I think that some things, you know, I can't speak for him, obviously, but I will say that, like, I always wanted to go to a party and drink and, and you know, do stuff. And I feel like he didn't really get to do stuff like that. So, you know, my biggest thing is that I really want him to find love. I want to really help him find a, find a girlfriend because I think he's so adorable. He's such great style. And he's friends with a lot of celebrities. His best friend is the rapper Big Sean. And, which is yeah so they filmed Shit. an mtv special at my house in uh 2013 i want to say it was so big sean um my brother got a wish through the make a wish foundation when we were little kids yeah. and um you know i think i had to have been like 10 and he was eight he was a baby and uh they gave us the wish we went on a cruise which was great and then he got really sick again a couple of years later and uh i guess he applied for a wish and they went to, he wanted to meet Big Sean. So they went to go set up the wish. They got like halfway through, you know, coordinating everything. And then they realized that he had gotten a wish already and took it back. Oh no. Well, I mean, I get it, but also like, oh crap. Right. So my brother reached out to Big Sean and just told him what happened. And he was doing an Adidas commercial in the Bronx and invited my whole family and they just hit it off, all, hit it off. And we, uh, they they've been friends for years and big sean like sends him like jewelry from his jewelry dealer in vegas and hooks him up with all this cool stuff. so my brother's pretty cool i he thinks he's a lot cooler than me and, and he probably is i mean oh, but the mtv special so they they came to my house to film something for mtv in 2013 where he like surprised my brother and played his whole album for my brother like a couple months before it came out so my brother was like don't don't be in the frame so I basically, you won't, you don't even see me in it. They basically made me stand in the corner. They cut you out. They, 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 Andrew, you have no idea. You could see, I was wearing a yellow and black flannel and you could <laughs> slightly see my sleeve in the frame that day. Amazing. And it was just my, yeah, he wanted to be an only child and I, I'm, I could be pretty annoying. So I can't <laughs> say I blame him. So, I mean, wow, big, that's, that's cool though. Like, so did you, but again, you, you said a little bit earlier that like it was really hard growing up. Can you kind of share some of what, was hard for you as his brother? Was it hard to like watch him go through all that? Like, how did you, as his brother, how did you, cause my brother is younger too and we, he's able-bodied, but it feels, our relationship feels different because he had to take care of me a lot when I was growing up. So it feels like almost like he's the older brother because he had to do a lot of my care. Like our relationship has shifted. Do you and your brother have that kind of similarity in your, in the, like, did you do any of his care when you were growing up? I didn't really do any of his care. Um, he was, he's very, very sensitive in terms of like who was able to do stuff for him. So he has home health aides that come and take care of him. And it was a lot on my parents. I mean, my parents had to, you know, bathe him and feed him. Um, but uh, I was always one that got to make him laugh. And we would always just play like video games together for hours. We would play wrestling. We, would, we used to love to prank phone call people. So we had a lot of fun together growing up. Um, and you know, in terms of it being hard, like, like I said, like maybe like 10 years ago when I was like a teenager, I'd be like, Oh, nobody re ever really paid any attention to me. And now I look back as I got older and I've matured and I've been through my own life experiences that I look back and now I feel a guilt because I think that for so long, I, 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 I couldn't really see the severity of how things were. And I think that, you know, I, I, as, as you could see from your research before we started the interview, you were, you could tell I, I, you know, I've lived. So I, I wasn't the easiest You've done, you've done some things. You've done some things with some people in some places. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've had a great career um, and I've had some great successes and, you know, but I've always been like a wild child kind of. So I feel like in some ways I've made my parents job a lot. I definitely make their lives easier. Let's say that <laughs> they already had their handful, but it was one of those things that like, you know, okay, I didn't get maybe the part I wanted in the school play. Am I really going, is that really that big of an issue in the grand scheme of things when my brother's on a feeding tube? Well, I mean, I think it's important also to like, no, but I also think it's important to remember that like, it's okay to feel that way, even if your brother's on a feeding tube, like it's okay to have your own feelings. And I think my sister would say the same thing growing up. I, a lot of the attention that she maybe wanted might've been diverted to me as a kid, but like, it's okay for her to feel that stuff. It doesn't take away the fact that, that you as the able-bodied sibling were still feeling stuff. Like I think, but I think that's a common thread with like, like siblings of disabled kids is like, how do you feel your own feelings and not feel like everything, everything that's happening to you is not as important as what's happening to them. Yeah. And I think it comes with age too, because I, I feel completely different now than I did years ago but i get such a kick out of him now he is the mouth on this kid you look at him and you're like look at this innocent sweet little kid and he opens <laughs> andrew he opens his mouth and you're like never mind you're not you're not as innocent as i thought last week he told me that i look like a sewer rat which is truthfully that, funny i guess that's brotherly love i mean i mean it's brotherly love. Exactly. That, he used to terrorize me. Oh my God. When we were kids. So I'm, you know, I definitely have a mouth too. And I'm a very strong personality, but I would say I'm all bark, no bite. Right. Well, I like can I'm tell just from talking to you, you got that whole New York thing. You got that whole, like, you know, you can put down if you had to. I, I right. But it's, it's mostly a cover because I'm a comedian and I'm very broken. So, uh, <laughs> but with him, you know, he is, he is strong and he, he's even more powerful of a personality than I am. When we were little kids, I have a vivid memory of um, going to the bathroom and he would park his 300 pound electric wheelchair outside the bathroom door and keep me trapped in there for hours <laughs> because I wasn't strong enough. The wheelchair was like hundreds of pounds. So I was literally locked in the bathroom like Anne Frank. And he would just wait, <laughs> he like, let open. Shit. Wow. Uh, well, good for him. <laughs> you gotta get, you gotta get your, your joke somewhere. I mean, I mean, did he yeah. help shape like some of your comedy? He definitely is in my act. And uh, he, I have some very controversial uh, jokes about him. And he saw, he came to see me headline Caroline's in uh, October of last year. Um, it was, I was part of their breakout artist series, which was so nerve wracking because like people, family members that I've never even spoken to since I was like eight years old, like came to see the show and my act is very edgy. So afterwards I had to be like, oh my God, Aunt Marie, what did you think of the fisting material? <laughs> oh, so, no. so yeah, it, it was, you know, that type of humor. So, you know, I, ha I have a whole block of jokes about him and uh, he thought it was hilarious. He has a very sick sense of humor, just like me. I, so do like I, I have a very, like, I'm, I'm very, very, I'm very dirty because it's fun. And like, who the fuck cares? Like, why not play, <laughs> like, why not play with that? Why not be a little bit? The shock and awe thing is fun because like you said, they don't, they don't expect the cute, innocent, disabled guy to say something like that. And so when they do, it's like, oh. <gasps> Oh wow, you can you can play on the same playing field as I can. Wow, so it's good that, that you can. Do you relate to that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that you know it. It's 
God, I, I growing up too, like, oh my God, Andrew, look, you're like freaking Dr. Phil. Like, here I am already about to cry. I mean, Dr. Just, Phil, please don't compare me to. <laughs> I, all right, I'm sorry. I, I, I just know he's tight with Oprah. So I, and I, I mean, listen, listen, listen. He didn't he just the other day say that it's okay to open the schools because only two to three percent of the kids will die. <laughs> I don't even think he went to school, so I think I mean, he was just riffing. He literally said to somebody on Fox News that it's all right to open the schools because the kids will die. (laughs) Well, I don't stand by that. I didn't mean to offend you. I don't stand by that statement then. Philip, who did I see? No, I I think I saw Dr. Oz. I I ran into somebody two weeks ago. One of the the doctors. They're equally ridiculous. They're equally (laughs) ridiculous. Yeah. Somebody in that, they're like in the category of, like they went to the Dr. Dre Academy of Medicine. Of Medicine. Yeah. Yeah. It's very weird. Um, but I, I would say, too, that I think that people who have been through a lot and people who have overcome things that other people don't always go through are always the people with the best sense of humor. So I'm yeah. sure that you is, I could see that is you. See, I think with disability, though, for me, it's not so much about overcoming because disability is something that I'll never, that I don't necessarily want to be apart from or that I can never run away from. So I think when people say stuff, and I, you totally mean it in the best way possible, I'm not, I'm just saying like, when people say stuff like, oh, you've overcome stuff, I immediately stop them and go, no, I haven't really. I'm living with it and I'm experiencing it right now. Like, there's nothing to overcome because it is what it is. So, like, the narrative of overcoming just generally, I think, is it's tough for people to wrap their head around that maybe I don't want to overcome my disability. Maybe it's just a, it's a part of me that I, it's a big part of my, what I do, but I also love, I love it. So, like, yeah. I don't know but in the saying. same breath, wouldn't you say, I, I understand your point as to what you're saying about overcoming, but you know, in my experience with people, you know, living with somebody that has a disability, I think that it's constantly something that you have to work at yes. and continue to grow. So that's kind of more of what I mean in terms yes. of overcoming. Yes, like I know yes. my brother, there were days when he didn't want to have physical therapy or have to, and I can't say I really blame him and have to do all these things. Physical but, therapy, you know, fucking, I want to play my fucking video games. And why are you here telling me I got to do shit? Like, no. Yeah, I get it. Again. That's exactly. So I think in some ways I understand your point about overcoming, but I, I have such admiration because I know it, that it's something that you constantly have to work at. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. It is something, and I would agree with that part wholeheartedly. It is something you definitely have to work at. It's something you have to, some days I fucking hate being disabled and some days it fucking sucks and I don't like it. Especially right now we're in fucking COVID times. It's, it's really, it's tough <sighs> right now. But like, it's something that I wouldn't, that I would not I would not necessarily change it if I had the chance. I don't know. I would, if somebody said, take a pill to walk tomorrow, for sure I would. I want to see what that's like. But I don't think I would change the experience of learning what I've learned from being disabled. Yeah. No, um, I, I, and, you know, I think that also, too, another thing that really bothered me <laughs> growing up, too, is there were so many people when we were little kids that would just come up to us, like it was just me, my mom, and my brother in the supermarket, and people would just come up to us and be like, what's wrong with him? You know, what's wrong with your, have you ever gotten that? All the time. I got it. I got, I had, I got it as recently as the, uh, like, not since the pandemic, but I was out before all this and I was walking down the street and somebody goes, well, are you lost? And I said, do I look lost to you? I'm just going down the street, going somewhere. I'm not lost. I'm okay. Like I'm good. But like, I've gotten people in the, in the supermarket, my friend and I were cooking one day we were like, oh, let's go make dinner. So we go to the supermarket, her and I, we're, we're going to the store and she's getting eggs. And this old woman, this sweet old woman goes over to her, taps her on the shoulder and goes, 
um, it's so nice what you're doing for him, buying him the groceries. And my friend stopped and went, excuse me? He's actually buying me the groceries and we're making this dinner together. <laughs> so like, it was just, I get it all the time. And like, I, like for you, seeing that happen to your brother and seeing those kind of questions, what, how did you feel about that? Oh, well, I, the lady was like, what's wrong with him? I was like, what's wrong with you? You're 40 and have braces. <laughs> uh, like, how dare you? Yeah. I mean, I just think the ignorance that people have, the, and I think the hardest part about stuff like that is that it's people, the what's wrong with him question is so hard because it's like, what gives you the right to know? But what? what gives you the right to know? And, you know, I, I see, trust me, I see a tons of things from, t- from a, an array of people, you know, like, especially, especially when, they were, when people were wearing feathers in their hair. Do you remember that trend? And I, I wish I could have gone up to those people and be like, what's wrong with you? You have the bird flu. But, I, you know, I was raised with decency and respect. I wouldn't do something like that. So it just, it, it's, it was very infuriating and it would make my mom so angry. Oh my God, my mom would get so angry. And I, I can't say I blame her. No, my mom, when we were, when I was a kid, we'd go to all these music festivals. And at one point she had to help me in the bathroom. And I, I remember when she was helping me in there and she couldn't close the door of the porta potty because my chair was too big. So some guy was like watching her struggle. And I remember her, I, I'll never forget this. She was holding me in her arms so I could pee. And she was trying to keep me level. And she's mouthing to the guy, hey, why don't you take a picture, asshole? It'll last longer. Like, like you leave my kid alone. We're just trying to get this done. The staring, it just, it really, it drives me crazy. All the it time. It really did. I mean, it, yeah. Now I kind of like, I hope you're staring because you think I'm hot. No, because you're being an asshole. <laughs> like, but yeah, when I was yeah, a kid, if you think I'm hot, then you could stare. But if yeah. you're being judgy, don't look at me. Yeah, exactly. Um, what else did I want to ask you? So, so we know within the LGBTQ community, there's a ton of ableism that we deal with, and people are just a lot of the stuff we just talked about—the staring and the questions, like all that stuff—comes out when you talk to a lot of gay men about disability in our queer community because they just don't know any better and they. They can the queer queer men can be a can be a, a feisty bunch towards one another, um, and they can always not be the kindest. So I'm wondering, um, has having a brother with disabilities made you look at disabled people in queer spaces differently? Have you looked at like differences in our community differently because of the experience you had? Yeah, I mean, definitely within our community for sure, but just in general as a human being. I think it doesn't even come down to just being gay. Um, I understand what you're, what you're saying, but I think that, I, I, I think people are so judgy. And I, you know what, I love that show special on Netflix too. I, I, it's great. That is, it is such an important show. And I do think that there is prejudice, unfortunately. Um, and I hope that shows like special on Netflix, you know, show, show people A, to be more compassionate, be more understanding and C, be more human. So, I mean, I think that up because I come from a very unique background. You know, I'm one of those people that I see somebody in a wheelchair, you know, crossing the street, and I'm always just like, can I press the sign for you for the walk sign? Like, I just feel like that's what I would want somebody to do for my brother if he was alone. Like, I'm always, and sometimes I know some people could be offended. Like, no, I could open my own door. But I think that my intentions are coming from a good place. And if my brother was somewhere and he couldn't get into a building, I would hope that somebody would be compassionate enough to at least ask. You could always say no. Yeah. I mean, you may have a different opinion because it's you, but I'm always just like, can I open the door for you? Can I do anything? And then I just leave. 
I'm like a, a what kind player. of um what level just so I understand what you said he's in a power chair like me what kind of uh like if he wanted to press a button could he do it yeah he he doesn't have as much uh, strength as he used to have um but he has like a little T like the joystick is a T so sometimes he has to do it with both hands and sometimes he gets tired um but yeah he it's a power chair electric. Yeah, so so and it hurts when it ran ran when it runs you over. Trust me, he would intentionally, intentionally run us over. I would do that with my brothers when I was a kid. My brothers would do this thing where they would get on the back of my chair when I didn't want them to, and I would <gasps> I would ram them. I would I would find a way to get to ram the to ram either my head into their head, or ram the chair so they would have to get off. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny you said that because I had a fantasy as a kid of me riding a skateboard, just holding onto the back of his wheelchair, and he would not have it. I wanted to be like Lassie, like or something. Just yeah, like, no, my brother, my brother and I played Back to the Future for hours and hours. My brother would get a skateboard, hang onto the back of my chair, and we would go down the shoulder of the highway of my house, and ride, I would ride my chair, and the most dangerous, this is, you should totally not do this. So <laughs> I would ride my chair down the highway with my brother on the back, and we thought we were so cool. Meanwhile, we were like, doing a super dangerous thing. Yeah, but that's what we did as brothers. Like, so, so the wheelchair was both a great, it brought us together as brothers, but also like, if I wanted to be an asshole and run you down, I would. Right. And the, and the wheelchairs hurt. Oh, they're, they, they're like pretty, they're powerful. Yeah, they're, they really hurt. Yeah. Oh, trust me, I know. I, I've like, basically been beaten by one. Did you ever get the, like, did your brother ever get the lecture from your parents? Like, hey, the wheelchair is not a weapon. You can't <laughs> You can't yes. do that. Those exact words. The, the wheelchair is not a weapon. Those exact words. See, it's one of those things, though, that I think that my mom and dad, they felt conflicted in some way because, you know, obviously they don't want him to hurt people, but I think they don't want to take that away from him. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I, I think they want it. Like, no, but my mom says to me all the time when we're, we were in, we were just in Hollywood a few weeks ago for the, the Queerty Awards or a few months ago for the Queerty Awards just yeah. before COVID happened. We were there and we were walking down Hollywood and Vine trying to get to our hotel and nobody would move. And my mom just said, fuck it, just go and run them. If they're not an old lady and they're not a kid, you run them down. And like, that's what she's told me ever since I was little. If they're not an old lady, they're not a kid, they'll move for you. Go. Now, let me ask, because if, if God forbid you were to hit them and they were to fall on you, are you afraid of that they might hurt you if they fall on you? I mean, and people have fallen on me and then, you know, they've been like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm, I'm not... My CPF people palsy, so luckily, like I don't, luckily, but I don't, I don't have, like, if they follow me, I'm probably not gonna break a bone. But I can imagine for your brother with SMA, yeah. if they follow him, he's gonna hurt himself. Um, so yeah, uh, um, and I want, so I wanted to ask you more about the LGBTQ community a little bit because you had a brother with disabilities. If say, I don't know, hot disabled guy like me saw you at a club and was like hitting on you, would you feel, would that make you feel uncomfortable? Or do you think your experience having a disabled brother would make it less weird for you? If somebody was to be like, hey, I'm in a wheelchair and I think you're hot. I'm so needy. So anybody could come up to me, Osama Bin Laden could come up to me and be, and I'd be like, you're horrible, but I'm still flattered. <laughs> but um, that was a horrible example. But it really I'm was. Just trying was like... to yeah, I'm just trying, not I'm comparing to people with disabilities to Osama Bin Laden. Wow. Um, what I was trying to say is I will take a compliment anywhere they come. And no, I'm one of those people that I, I enjoy just talking to people. 
So if anybody was to, I, to be honest with you, I'd probably go up and talk to the person with disabilities before they ever came up to me. I mean, this podcast is a little bit flirty. So I will say if I saw you at the club and you talked to me, I'd be like, oh, that good looking comedian guy over there is saying words to me. I'd, oh, I should. Oh, um, so but I would you, love for you to come over and talk to me as long as you don't roll over my foot. I mean, unless you're into that, then then we can then we can talk about that later. But uh, have you ever had a sexy experience with a disabled person ever? I haven't. I don't really have too many uh, sex experiences. I'm pretty prudish and Catholic and boring, which is oh, I think wow. a lot of people don't really <laughs> expect from me. So I have the sex guy like who, one time a year. Says so the guy who just told me his his whole routine about fisting. Like, yeah, but they're all yeah, but they're like jokes. They're not. No, I, I'm I'm very very boring. I'm sorry to disappoint you, Andrew. Yeah, I, I'm not a very sexual person. I'm like Julie Andrews in the bedroom. I just <laughs> okay. All right. Um, would you ever have sex with a disabled person? Yeah, if the, I mean, I'm not ruling it out. Cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, are you asking for your own personal? I mean, <laughs> <Just a> personal. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know what? I think the most important thing to me about sex, it's not physical. I really think that it's an emotional connection. And I think that, you know, I was raised at a very young age that, you know, sex to me is about love. I don't enjoy having sex with somebody unless I feel like there's more to it because I'm very emotional. I watch a lot of Lifetime movies and I <laughs> do a lot of crying. So... What so speaking of lifetime movies, there's a lot of lifetime movies where they there was shitty shitty depiction of, of disability. What kind of yeah. life what kind of lifetime movie would you like to see someone like your brother in? Would you like to see like more depictions of of disability in Hollywood that are more realistic to what your brother experienced? A hundred percent. I think and I think that special is a great, you know example of that. I think we need more shows like that. That, that And what was, the, there was another show actually on NBC. My mom loved it. Oh, I can't think about, it was about a mother and she has a dis disabled, I can't, I think she's a single mom. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, I'm trying to figure out NBC. How many, was it this, was it recently? Yeah, it was in like the last year or two. My mom was telling me that she watched it, but I, I, I didn't catch that. But yeah, I think there definitely needs to be more representation. And I think that there needs to be more understanding. Like I know I spoke to you a little bit about like my brother's tattoo article and it was really, I got like choked up reading it because it was so beautifully written. And he wrote in it about how that like, I guess how tattoo artists should have more understanding for people with special needs that, yeah. you know, because that they may not be able to be in a position to hold their arm in a certain way for as long as everybody else can and to be understanding and to be patient. And then like, I, you know, I live in, I don't see him as much as I do anymore or my family because I live on the other side of the country. So I, that got me a little sad. I was like, oh no, I hope that he didn't have a bad experience or somebody made him feel as, I'm very protective over him. He's would very you, mean to me, but I don't, <laughs> that's fine. Well, as he should be. Would you ever, would you ever want him to move to like LA with you? Would you ever want him to move closer to you because of- Well, that's lived, my plan. See, good, good. But, although my parents, you know, not that I'm planning for my parents to die in a shipwreck or anything, but if anything, God forbid, happened to my parents, I would, you know, I would 100% hope, you know, I think there's different, I don't really know the laws out here in terms, because I know the, the, the laws are different for people with disabilities in New York than in California. But yeah. in my fantasy world, if everything works out and I have a lot of money, and I hope so, because I, I love to spend and I love to eat out. 
So <laughs> I, you know, I would hope that I'd be able to have him live with me. And I'm sure he wouldn't want to live with me per se. So I would, let's just say I'd have another house on the property. I mean, hey, if you, if you ever want somebody to be your, I was just in Hollywood for those awards. And I got to say, Hollywood is not, LA is not the most successful spot place for, no. for wheelchair users. I was really dismayed by how actually inaccessible Hollywood was. Um, we, couldn't get a, we couldn't get a cab to the award show. We had to walk from our hotel to the award show. Like getting, just getting cabs around LA was like, how does anybody with a disability get around here? Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And he has, you know, he gets accessoride um, in New York. And then there was something that like, I think he was getting a tattoo and the accessoride driver like left him because he took too long. And oh, then yeah, he took him like an, that, is that, does that happen to you a lot? I'm in Toronto, so, but it's a very similar program of like, if you're not there within two minutes, they leave you. And it's like, well, but I'm disabled. Two minutes for me is, five minutes to the rest of the world. Like, can you right. hang on a minute? Like, it takes a second. I mean, what type of disgusting person? You can't wait two minutes? <laughs> you know what's, Like, what's, really, where are you off to? Yeah, like, isn't your job to act, to, like, give them a ride? Totally. So, like, have you, you live in Hollywood. So, do you, have you seen any spaces where you've done, like, stuff where you've done shows or comedy? Do you have any ideas, given what you know about your brother's needs, about how LA could be more accessible? Yeah, a hundred percent. Especially, uh, I'm trying to think. I, I I'm not gonna say names because it might get me in trouble. But I could think of like at least five comedy clubs off the top of my head that I don't think are wheelchair accessible. And actually, I think that you know if somebody wants a lot. Forget about just going to watch as an audience member. If you're a comedian and you want to get on stage, I think that I, I, there, I'm sure there are very few comedy clubs who have a ramp to even even able to accommodate that, which I yeah. think is really a shame in itself too. There are so many, there are so many few, not even comedy clubs, but the club we went to to get the award, one that I was just at in Hollywood, they didn't have a ramp. And I was like, well, you nominated, oh. me. You nominated me. And I, like, I know I didn't win because you didn't put a ramp there. So like, well, that, that I mean, that, that that's shocking because you think, you're saying to get into the venue or if you won the award to get up on the stage? If I won the award to get up and I got into the venue, but if I won the award to get up on stage and like, I knew that I didn't win because you put in a ramp there. Like you should have at least had a ramp. So I could have. I wish you would have won just to stand by the edge of the stage to make them all <laughs> just feel dumb. That, that, that's terrible. I could. I, no, but I, was... I do. I think that there's so much, especially in New York city too. Like there's, um, <clears throat> Like this certain place you have to go down to basements and stuff. I mean, I always think about that when I was a little kid before I um, decided to be selfish and become a comedian. I always told my mom that I wanted to be a discrimination lawyer. And uh, oh, that's so cute, though. Yeah, it didn't happen. The closest thing that I get to being in the courtroom is watching Judge Judy. So it definitely never, I mean, never happened. But I just figured I was between me and him. I would just keep a, a freaking journal and log everywhere that we went that he couldn't get into, and <laughs> that's so we would have been though. sitting like, real pretty. That like that no, but that's adorable because like that tells you that as your as his brother, you really it's something that affected you. See, like, do you have memories of being a kid and trying to get into places in New York and just not being able to? And be like, oh, well, this sucks. Yeah, 100%. Um, there was a ton of things that, like, I, for, I forgot that, like, we were somewhere and we were trying to go on, like, a train through, like, um, it was in, like, Lancaster with the Amish and he couldn't get on the train. Oh, my God. 
oh, this is really so bad, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So we were in Lancaster, we were on a train and because the wheelchair, the way the train car was, it was basically like this old school type of like choo-choo train. I don't know if that's what people still say. <laughs> I sound like I, I just... Like a, the, you sound yeah. like you're in 1835, but you mean like, you mean like st- a steam train? Yeah, that would have been the, the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, I, we should have synced up on the type of trains before I did this interview. But I'll never forget it. There was um, some lady and her freaking family and they wouldn't move to let my brother on, like to let my brother by. And there was like 10 of us and she was, I don't know what her problem was. And she would not move. She wouldn't move her seat. So my, you know, we could all sit together as a family. Yeah. And I'm not proud of this. So I hope none of your listeners get as upset. I was like 11 years old. And I just said to her, I was like, listen, lady, you're going to get your fat ass up. (laughs) You were 11? I I was a baby. And I, and everybody, my grandpa was like, Nicholas. But the lady, she started crying. I didn't feel bad. Get up. You see somebody that needs to see more important than you. And I shouldn't have called her fat, but you know what? I stand by it. You were 11. If that anybody has any problems, tweet me at Nikki Paris bitch. If you know her and want to <laughs> fight back, fight me. Wow. No, but I, I think it's cute though that at 11, you realize that like my, bro- my brother needs stuff. And if you, you're realizing from all these stories that like you, the world was not made for him. And so you kind of, it sounds like you took on this role of like, I have to make sure he's okay. There was a kid on, on, our, on our block who put grass in my brother's mouth and I beat the shit out of him. What? Yeah. <laughs> this podcast like... is going to get me in more trouble. Yeah, there was somebody that was just on my, on my our block and they were picking on my brother and they took a bunch of grass off like the floor and they put it in his mouth. And I went, in, I went psycho. I like beat the shit out of this kid. I, I was really like, but keep in mind the context of who I am. So it was more of like Charlie's Angels type of fighting. <laughs> it, it wasn't like, like aggressive, like street fighting. It was like play fighting. It was like no, it was like a, it was like a punch, but then a pose. <laughs> and like, I'm sure your brother just loved that. I'm sure your brother was like, oh, he was fuck. probably so embarrassed. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> fuck. Why? Why am I not an only child? <laughs> Shit. Um. Uh, so we talked a little bit about comedy and about how the spaces can be made more accessible. Two things. I want to hear you. Can you give me one of the jokes about your brother from your stand-up set? Okay. So I have a joke about, um, my brother's one, uh, uh, my brother thinks he's black, which is adorable. Uh, he just wants to be in a gang. He's like, I just want to be a blood. I'm like, I see you as more of a crypt. <laughs> oh, it's cute. It's cute. <laughs> Um, I would never do the joke for anybody. If anybody else asked me that question on an interview, I'd say buy a ticket. But for you, I, uh, I'll well, give you the one freebie. Thank you. It's cute. And I, I refer to You're myself welcome. as a crip and a cripple too. So I like that one. Um, <laughs> he and my brother wrote a, a cute joke once. He was like, if I would be a pop star, I could be wheelchair. <laughs> wheelchair. I said, if I ever do drag again, I would be, because my disability is super palsy. If I ever do drag again, I would be Rue Palsy. <laughs> that's genius or <laughs> i love that or i think i had one for a while that was i would be britney gears i i love that that's just, i like i like uh the first one too those are both really good it's just fun like i i play with all this stuff all the time because why not like what well, you should you should play with it um fun it's creative what advice would you give to to other siblings of disabled kids like what if you if somebody has a brother with disabilities how would you like 
knowing what you know, being there, being his brother, what would you, what advice would you give to, to a non-disabled sibling? Be understanding and be patient. Um, and really it's not as much about you. I, ch- I know that's like a controversial statement, but I really do feel that way. Like I look back at certain things and I wish I could just go back and be like, okay, I wish I could go back and like slap myself in the face and be like as a little kid, because you know, um, I don't know why I feel such regret about s- such stuff now. I think it's because I've done a lot of work on myself in these last couple of years. And I think that I, you know, just being out here, I really miss my family and I'm alone and you know, I, I think that it's, it's, yeah, just being understanding and being that really it isn't about you and that there is, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I, my, at the end, one of the biggest things that I worry about is I just, I just hope that he's happy because he really deserves it all. He's, I just, he, he's definitely one of my biggest inspirations. Now I'm curious because you said inspiration a few times in, in this show and a lot of disabled people are wary of the word inspiration because usually when people say inspiration, to us it's like they mean really well but they don't allow us to have personhood so when you say inspiration like can you elaborate on first like what that means for you sure so my brother is an inspiration to me and if he has a problem with being an inspiration <laughs> i he i i would tell him hey, christian if you're listening pick a finger it's an honor to be an inspiration to somebody i would say i would kill to be an inspiration for somebody if anybody wants to pick me as an inspiration please i'm, I'm here waiting by the way but i would say I could never have gotten through the, the, any half the stuff that he's gone through. So I think that what inspires me about him is the fight and that he's willing to, you know, do the work and, and be brave more than anything. I mean, with the kid was six years old, he got pins in his hips. I could have never done that. I don't even, I can't even cook. I did that. I had, I had, let's see what surgery. I had rods in my spine pins yeah. in the hip. I had my I had my hamstrings like the feather all the sh- I had all the shit done to me. So I know, I know, but I and I do think there is without sounding like inspiration porny, there is a sense of like bravery and strength you do have to muster to do other stuff. Yes. So don't be offended when somebody says you're an inspiration. I think that 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 well at least that's where I'm coming from that it's coming as I admire your bravery and it's coming from more of like a, I don't know why I just did the Celine Dion <laughs> symbol. You, you did though, you did. But it was, you know, it's more of bravery because I don't know if I could have been that brave. So I think that's why I would say inspiration. That's awesome. Um, do you have any questions for me about disability that I can answer for you? Okay, if you could go back in time to your younger self, what do you think you would tell yourself? Uh, to my younger self, I would tell myself that you're going to be all right, that all the shit you're going through right now with all the kids being mean to you and not having any friends and wanting all that, like, you're going to be all right. And you're probably not going to make as many friends as you, as you think you want because I'm still kind of a loner and I still kind of do my own thing and I'm like, whatever. But I would tell myself that disability is your power disability is what's going to get you through so be be proud of that as proud as you can and it's okay i love oh my god you like made me tear up a little bit i that was beautiful thank you it's really disability is something that i i won't say i struggle with it but i struggle with finding the joy in it sometimes especially right now given that we're in these weird fucking i thought you meant during this interview i was like jesus andrew (laughs) 
<laughs> but like, Ouch. but like, you know, it's something that I struggle being proud with, but I'm proud that it's there. Like it's never going to go, it's never going to not be a part of my life. So I have to find a way to accept it, even on the days when I don't want to. And I'm sure your brother, I'm sure your brother feels the same way. Yeah. It, it, it's a difficult time, but I think the best thing, you know, is to be precautious and be safe. Yeah, totally. Right. Especially right now. And it's saying, so is your brother's name Christian Paris? Why is he not running like a, a fashion line? He should be, right? Uh, I don't know what he's up to. He, he loves playing video games. He loves porn stars. He's like your normal 20-year-old boy. I mean, I do. I also love porn stars now. I, I love a different whole type of porn yeah, stars. Yeah, different, different type. He went to Exotica. Um, which is the, you know, he's like your fucking typical, he's every, he's the, he's the boy my parents wanted me to be, truthfully. Well, you know, except he probably doesn't have HPV, but, um, wow. I don't have HPV either. That was just a joke, but yeah, he, he went to like the porn star convention and he had all the porn stars like kissing his face. He loves all that shit. So, you know, I looked at that. I was like, I'm going to pray for you. No, but whatever makes him happy. I'm one of those people, like, whatever makes him happy, I'm like, do it. As long as you're not hurting somebody, you want to go see somebody's titties. I mean, I'm I'm there for it. Good for you, man. So were the porn stars. Trust me. You had to see them all over him. All (laughs) over the wheelchair. I was like, I hope you bought Purell. I mean, you can't get that right now. Right now, that's, that's like gold. No, exactly. He's just saving those memories for the spank bank, I hope. This um, speaking of nothing you would know, but like, do you uh, did you and he as brothers ever talk about his like sexuality about his like ability to access sex? Was that ever something like like as bro? I'm probably not, but as like bros, did you ever like sit down and have a talk well, about that? Uh, other family members, he did yes, but you have to keep in mind. I think that I'm Sister Teresa, so I like don't I, to to me like I don't. Oh yeah, know. I forgot you're a prude. Yeah, I don't want to know. Like, and I've heard some things, to be honest with you, that I don't want to know and I'll ne- never repeat them. And I, I just don't want to know. I'm just like that with everybody though. Not even like my, bro- like my little cousins were like, one of my little cousins was like, I'm having sex. I was like, I don't want to hear that. I don't even want to know that you have seen your own penis yet, which I know does, is not physically possible. But in my fantasy world, I'm like, no, these are, I just don't want to think about them in that light. That's fair. That's fair. But because my, like, my, <laughs> like my sister and I are starting a, a sex toy company together. So we, we are you a sex toy company for disabled people. So we really had to get like, we had to get really serious about our, you know, we had to really have a discussion about what my, what my sexual abilities were to run this company. And so I just wondered if like you and your brother ever sat down and had like, like, no, bro. And I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> but I will say that I can't wait to see your product at the abilities expo. It's coming, and, and when it and when it comes, it'll, it'll make other people come, which is great, which is what we want. So this was a super, super fun interview. Thank you. So Can much. I take a picture of us? Yeah, totally. I'm going to story. Take it on ready? your phone? Are you doing yeah. it? Okay, wait. Let me, let me make sure I'm looking. Okay, ready? Awesome. Amazing. All right. I had so much fun with you. And I I know now I'm now I have to think about a hold before I call somebody an inspiration. So <laughs> you are you tweet. gonna be offended if I say you're an inspiration? No, I think it's great. I think I think you I think you should say inspiration and then put a smiley face like, but not in an, not in a weird way. You you traumatize me now. Now every time I have to I'm gonna have to worry about calling somebody an inspiration. I'm gonna be like, you're an inspiration. 
That's good. You're, you're, you know, but it's good though, because, but I think, I honestly think that you can be inspired by what a disabled person does, not just because yeah. they took a breath today. Like that's no, right. I, it's like, you're right. It's the context of why you're inspired. Yeah. Are you inspired exactly. because I blinked my eye holes today? Or are you inspired because I did something to better myself? I'm inspired by you because I think you are creating a platform that shares the thoughts and opinions that a lot of people need to hear. Well, thank you. And it was such a, it was so fun and such a like crazy ride. And I love talking to comedians because they say shit that I'm like, oh God, it's weird. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm really thankful. And if you ever want me on your show, Daddy Issues, I'm not sure, like, I don't know if I would be the Yeah, right. absolutely. We should totally have you on. That would be so much fun. If you need a guest, I'm around. All right, let's do it. Okay. It was so nice meeting you. Thank you for this chat. It was such and a pleasure. Guys, if you have Twitter and Instagram, Nikki Paris bitch, I'm performing all over. Uh, so come catch me. Especially all over right now because Zoom is the real thing. So yeah, I'm doing everywhere. like eight Zoom shows a week. It's different nice. to be rejected in my home. <laughs> well, you, then you can just turn off the computer and you can just get to sit at home. It's good. Right. Exactly. All right, <laughs> Nikki Paris, this is so fun. Thank you so much for for being here today and it was great thank you andrew thanks bye, bye. all right friends this has been another edition of disability after dark the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability i'm of course your number one queer cripple and your disabled dick smith host andrew gerza if you like what you heard today and you want to follow my work and find out more about what I do, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast directly, you can head over to Twitter and punch in DisAftDarkPod and follow us there. If you want to contact the show with a show idea, a guest idea, a comment, or a complaint, you can head over to your email and email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to this latest edition of Disability After Dark, and we'll be here to shine a bright light on more things really soon. Thanks, everybody. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Music was by Music by Space Robot Scientists. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Notice 2020